Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Unpack your knives and stay. Yes, stay, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Top Chef for Half a podcast. I am Haley Strong. Um, I would say I usually bring the drama here um, or horror. It depends on your taste. Um, I'm joined today by, I was going to say a romantic panel, but I'm not going to go with that adjective. I don't think I'm going to rethink that one. Uh, Kirk Clark, hey. You want the podcaster? You can't handle the <laughs> podcaster. Uh, and we're yeah. we're joined today by a very special guest, longtime BFF of the podcast, Chef Jim Smith. Hey, Jim, what up? How's it going? It is a pleasure to be here and back on the RHAP Networks with y'all. So glad to have you, Jim. Always one of our favorite podcasts of the season is when we get to talk to Jim because... Not only was he an excellent contestant on Top Chef, but he's also a longtime reality TV fan, like the rest of us. And sounds like you're also like dipping a little bit into the post-show recap side of the pool, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I have def- I've been, I, you know, with the way that the pandemic is and the way that TV also is these days, it's, on, it's not only awesome to have Top Chef back on the air, but it also has uh, given me the chance to do some deep diving back into like, I've been really enjoying the, the Josh Wiggler Star Wars Trek. I, I will also say that I am 100% fully committed to the complete Survivor rewatch. I've been following along every season and, and paying, you know, and listening to those podcasts every week. They have been an absolute pleasure. And uh, uh, my wife, she's like, it seems like every time I walk home, I come home, all you're doing is watching Survivor. And I was like, well, you know, it's, it's hard to keep up with those podcasts if you're not rewatching the entire 40 seasons. So I am, I am fully committed to the rewatch. So, uh, I and that. I've got it. I want to give a special thanks to Rob for like committing to such a serious endeavor. That is uh, one giant mission. And uh, it's been a pleasure to listen to you so far. So you're in the middle of, is it Vanuatu right now? Yeah, I think uh, I just started watching Vanuatu yesterday, so uh, I'm did, excited did you, about it. Did you send in your rankings? I, you know, I am bad about all of the rankings and the favorite players and, you know, like uh, all, all the other folks, you know, all, all the various questions. I, I have not been responding to them, but I've just been enjoying the podcast tremendously. Good. Well, you might, you might hear me on one in a few weeks. We'll see. Oh, I'm not gonna. Awesome. I'm not gonna drop any hints on which one or anything. Dun 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 dun. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, was, 
Oh, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. One more thing is that it's always so awesome because uh, I know that people on who listen to this show may not know, but I went to high school. I grew up with Bobby John, the uh, another famous Troy reality uh, TV star. And uh, so, I, you know, it, it's always great to see him back on. I haven't rewatched the seasons in a, in a long time. I know that the, the, his first season has yet to come up on the rankings, but um, it's it's always great to see other Troy people uh, from reality TV shows on on, on the TV. How did what we not know world? this? Yeah. <laughs> All these years you've been keeping this close to your vest. Yeah, I, I think that I think that Josh put the connections together. I want to say that um, um I think that I heard I think that maybe maybe it was even I heard I think it was Josh who said the other person we know from Troy in reality TV shows is Bobby John from Troy, Alabama. And so uh yeah. Um but yeah. It's awesome. A, a thing that I love. Uh watching Survivor. So <laughs> How have you been enjoying the season of Top Chef? I think this season is awesome. I think that uh, it's been really, you know, we're still early in the season, but you've got to really give a shout out to all the production and like, and Bravo and NBC for just being able to get a season together in the middle of the pandemic. I know that while they were filming, they were in the, in the middle of all the, the protests in Portland, not to mention, you know, all the COVID protocols that are in place. So it's really just an amazing feat that they've been able to put together such good TV. And it really does. It doesn't really feel like it's all that different than top chef. I mean, you know, the fact that you don't see them running around whole foods is kind of a bummer, but the the rest of it is, you know, it is top chef. So it, it's great. Yeah. I yeah. definitely don't feel like I'm missing anything in particular. And yeah, we've mentioned like the whole foods thing is, yeah, it would be great to see that, but, it's not something I'm personally like, I can't watch Top Chef without the whole food spawn <laughs> yeah. con. Oh, but yeah, I, like I said, we think discussed this in the opening weeks. Like I do miss those surprise switches in direction that, you know, shopping in the aisles of Whole Foods can can bring you. But yeah, it's it's now I think they they use the first couple episodes to introduce the concept of them shopping by app. And then they just kind of yada yada it ever since it's like, you'll have, uh, we don't even really necessarily get the, you'll have, you know, 40 minutes to shop on online on whole foods. And, uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they think that this works or not. And if they'll go back to it, I'm sure whole foods would want them to come back once things open up a bit. Yeah, I'm sure that's the case. I mean, it's just really, it's not very exciting TV to see people like punching their orders on their <laughs> iPads. <you know? laughs> Okay, that's fair. What did you think of the whole, like that whole part of the competition in terms of the the, the Whole Foods part of it? Was that just like easy breezy, or did, did that bring you a lot of angst? I, it didn't really bring me a, a lot of angst, but it really freaked some people out because you know you, you've got to consider you're going to like a entire location change, and so there's a lot of time. There's a lot of time and production involved in moving everybody immediately after the quick fire. Or, you know, to find out what they're shopping for and then load all up and then go to Whole Foods. And then, you, you know, you have a you have regular shoppers to contend with and, you know, availability in the meat department. It definitely is interesting. It's it's a cool element of the game. It's not the easiest thing to do. And it's it's much it's got to be much easier to to control your budgets when you have the little ticker on the bottom of your screen whenever you add something yeah, to true. your shopping basket. So, uh, you know, you do lose the sort of situations where there's a line of people at the checkout counter trying to, like, cut down their grocery cart. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's a full fun part of the show. Like, I really enjoy seeing, like, the, you know, the GoPros hooked up to the shopping carts and people running around. And that kind of stuff is really fun. But there's just, I, I guess, no way they could have done it this, this season. 
And and like something I hadn't even thought about before is like, did you get a sense on whether or not? I mean, because in the Charleston season, did you guys can like pretty consistently go to the same Whole Foods? We did. We went to the okay. same Whole Foods. <laughs> and actually, I may have said this on the podcast before, but I actually, when I found out I was going to be on the show, I knew it was going to be in Charleston. I drove from Alabama to Charleston just to scout the Whole Foods, like to go up and down every aisle, see what they had in the meat. I talked to the people who were working the meat counter. The, the, the cash, you know, the, the cashiers, I, mean, I didn't tell them I was going to be on the show, but I had just lots of questions, you know, like, are these things usually available? Um, I just lots of questions about that. It's sort of like a location scouting on, on my part, just to get to know the grocery store. That's I love that sneaky, so awesome. much. <laughs> yeah. did, but I guess that we to my question is, did you get the sense yeah. that did that Whole Foods then, were there special considerations from a stocking perspective that they took into account, given that they knew that this, this show would be like, was like, did they try to have extra things on hand or were they kind of encouraged to like, you know what, stay business as usual as much as possible so that, you know, people are going to run into kind of just some natural hardships. Yeah, I think it's probably pretty much business and us- as usual, but I, I do suspect there's probably a little bit of coordination between production and Whole Foods that says, you know, hey, these people are shopping for 500 diners. If you, if you need to make sure you have extra steaks available today, you might want to have some on hand. So yeah. I think there's probably a little bit of both. Yeah. I've heard diners, 50 cars at a drive-in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because this is, is this the first real mass? I'm trying to think back to the, the rest of the season. Is this the first real um, big crowd service that they've had for an elimination challenge? It's definitely the biggest. I think in the Pan-African challenge, they probably it looked like they had about maybe 30 or 40 diners where this maybe maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was this kind of the same amount of diners just because it was two in a car. It was a little more spread out. Yeah. Um, uh, let's get to the quick fire. Um, in uh, my opinion, this was like. The most boring quick fire of the season so far. Like I wasn't particularly inspired by it. Uh, and the chefs didn't seem to be either. Um, this actually reminded me that it was Mother's Day next weekend because I thought it was at the end of the month. So then I had to order my mother's Mother's Day present and it's not getting here for a couple more weeks. Bad daughter in my part. Sorry, mother. She's not listening to this. Um, so it was create a dish featuring rose flavors that pays tribute to a mother figure. Um, I thought it would, I think I would have liked it more if it was just like, uh, because they said Portland was the city of roses. Like I, I, I feel like maybe I would have liked it better because it, it felt like everybody was kind of going out of their, like out of their stream to make a, a dish for their mother. Or I, I don't know. It just seemed a little lost in translation. It didn't really seem like many people enjoy cooking with roses either, especially Avishar. Um, oh, no, uh, not Avishar. <laughs> yeah, and it just, I don't know. It just it didn't click with me, I guess I would have to say. What do you guys think? Yeah, Jim, have you, where, where do you stand on the rose slash floral flavor profile slash ingredient in cooking? I am a little in the Avishar camp. Like I think that rose, uh, rose petals, rose tea or rose water are very hard ingredients to work with. And they don't usually end up tasting that great. Now, uh, there are other ones like like lavender, for instance, is uh, has a huge floral note and does oftentimes also smell like soap. But it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit easier to restrain for me. Uh, rose and rose water, are one of those dangerous ingredients that can take over and destroy a dish like immediately uh it's like you know like if, if you have a dish that's like a too much raw garlic in it or something you're like oh you know like it can be kind of 
overpoweringly cloying. And uh, for me, it's it's not my favorite ingredient, but that also does make it a hard challenge. And it is kind of weird that they're like, okay, roses and for your mother and that's Portland and Mother's Day. It is kind of a weird setup, but it, it, make, it makes sense. I, I enjoyed watching this quick fire just because it is really difficult. And, and there were some things like I didn't know, like there was, I mean, it, it's kind of stupid of me when I think about it. It's like, I didn't know there was rose sugar. Well, guess what, Kurt? It's sugar with rose flavor. I, but it's, <laughs> yeah. I guess the, I, I, cooking with floral notes, or I should say, who am I eating things with floral <laughs> notes, which is probably more in my camp, is not something that I naturally gravitate toward. I think, but it's, it's not based on any, experiences i've had that i can think of it's really just more the anticipation and like you kind of described lavender as being a bit soapy that's kind of how i would figure rose would be i mean i've even been to you know you know any ice cream places that have like a rose or a lavender um ice cream so i would have it's, it's not the sort of thing i would order but i think i'm kind of intrigued and might have wanted to taste the individual like what does rose sugar taste like? What do rose, what does like rose oil taste like? Um, probably very much like a rose smells, but I think I would have wanted to try, I would have been willing to try several of these dishes. It's just, that it was not a place I would have naturally gone to. It, it's one of those things where you wouldn't order it in a restaurant, but if you're at a food festival that you like paid for your ticket up front and you can just go to any vendor, like you'd be like, sure, I will try that one rose thing. Yeah. Yeah. If somebody at my table ordered it, you would like take a bite. I would, I would say, and and they said it was really good. Then I would I would be willing to try it. Um, yeah. So our buddy Chris here is on a real roll. Um, he made Lubui with rose water and candy pistachios, and he won. He won an advantage, and he won immunity. So good on him. I I can't remember if this was the dish, um, or if it was Byron's dish, where Omar basically said this tastes a lot like one of my the dishes my mom would make. You know, Minus the, the the rose oil, and I think I wonder like to what extent was that like the, a comment you could make across the board for these items in terms of oh this tastes this tastes familiar except it has rose oil. So I'm wondering how many people like started with the dish that they had in mind as the base and they figure well how can I incorporate rose oil into this or rose sorry rose uh, flavor. Um, yeah, I don't know, but yeah, he and like spoiler alert, it's a good thing he won uh, immunity. Yeah, I do think that the Labuya was the the one that Amar said reminded him of his his mother the most. And I think that, that I think to me this is probably one of the only dishes that were actually like a a thank you to the mo- to the mother, like something that one of the, their there's something that their mothers were used to cooking for them that in which they made into this dish and incorporated rose. So yeah. I think that that probably helped him out a lot in, in this challenge. He said he said that this is something like after this is something that he would ask that him and his I think siblings would ask his mother for after dinner. Uh, so I like that it did tie into the story. Um, saw a lot of pistachios also, uh, this challenge. I saw a lot, maybe like one other, a couple others actually. Is, is, is pistachio something that just kind of naturally pairs with rose or is it something that they probably was at the front of the pantry? Yeah, it may have been a little bit of both. Like I think that, I mean, whenever you deal with something like rose, and I do think probably lots of them thought of this too, like rose and rose water and those flavors are definitely more prominent in Middle Eastern cuisine. And uh, I think he even uh, even Amar says his wife is Persian, and so they use rose water a lot. And I think that when you start connecting those dots, you know, okay, that means that, you know, a, lot, a more sort of 
ingredients that are indigenous to the area or things that make sense. You know, plus there's a lot of uh, red in the challenge, which also means that green is going to look great on the plate more so than, a, you know, maybe some other nut options. But it, it, it makes sense to me. I'm really loving Amar this season. Can I just say, I don't remember loving Amar this much necessarily. Like I didn't like not like him, but I'm just finding Amar very enjoyable from licking the plate last time to just his just off the cuff comments. And I'm, I'm just, I think of the judges so far, he is my favorite. He's like a sneaky fave. Like, yeah, I don't don't know if any of us would have been like, yes, Amar, he's here, but like, very much enjoying everything he's putting. Have you crossed paths with Amar? You know, I don't know Amar, but Amar is good friends with my buddy uh, Wesley True because they were on the same California season together. I know that Wesley speaks really highly of Amar. I, I do follow Amar on social media. And his, his L.A. restaurant looks crazy. Like I always see him like in like a Bentley's and sort of like Hollywood regalia at his restaurant. So uh, he seems like he's having a, a great time and uh, he seems like a, a really cool person. But I, I don't personally know him. Cool pants this episode. Yeah, very cool pants. <laughs> Everyone's fashion this entire season has just been out of control. I want to I want to shout out to um, uh, Kwame again this episode. I feel like he had a very long, like beautiful black jacket. Maybe I'm making that up. I don't think I am. It was gorgeous. Uh, I anyway, that we were going to try to pay attention more to the clothing choices this episode. <laughs> oh, forgot. It's hard, it's hard when it's like in the dark and they're all seated and everything. Seat, yeah. Um, Byron was also in the top with his crab salad with rose and pistachio agrodolce. Uh, I'd have to say out of everything on the menu, like if I was presented with everything on a menu, this might be what I order. Uh, I like the idea of a crab salad. Hmm. Yeah. And again, like nothing's like, nothing is really calling to me in this. You know, the thing about the dish, which I find interesting is that, you see him open the can of crab. I mean, you are in a place where there is a m- amazing <laughs> fresh crab and you see him open the, the can of crab, which means it's 100% pasteurized crab, which has a, it's not even in the same ballpark as fresh crab. I'm always surprised when the judges like this sort of pasteurized crab meat on the show, because to me, I can taste it a mile away. And when something pasteurized crab, I just like, push it to the side immediately. I didn't but, notice it was a can of crab. I did not Maybe notice I'll reevaluate. That that's awesome. <laughs> it probably speaks to the rest of the quality of his dish that uh, he was t- able to take an ingredient, which is, you know, not so great and turn it into something pretty special. There was, uh, there was another there was another dish and I can't remember which one it was. And it maybe I don't think it was this one where I noticed like off to the side of it, there was a little plate of like looks like club crackers. I think it was like to dip in the, the main dish. And I was and I was wondering to myself, uh, and I don't think it was the main challenge. I could be. It was the main challenge. Sorry, it was Gabe's drink. Never it's mind. Gabe's, yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but but part of me was wondering: Did he make this from scratch, or he just pull out some like townhouse crackers and throw them into the bowl? So, but we'll we'll get to the, the elimination <laughs> challenge. Uh, Janie made Mama's Imperial Roll with pork, shrimp, and mushroom filling, and a rose salt and vinaigrette. Um, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This sounded good. Rose salt sounds like a way to use and implement the rose flavoring that would potentially appeal to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the, you know, kind of your know, pork and shrimp rolls. Oh, the mushroom filling sounds amazing. I think this is like one of the top two that I would have tried. 
Yeah, it sounded it sounded totally awesome. I, I wish we this this was one of those issues where you didn't really get to see a lot of her making it. Like I know that you you see her at one point take the the spring roll wrappers and get them ready to go in the water, but it was really there wasn't a lot of good imagery of this dish at the end. But it does sound awesome. Yeah. Uh, Sarah was in the bottom with her a fancy salad with grilled romaine rose yogurt vinaigrette and pistachio rose crumble Sarah girl I love you you have to step away from the yogurt for one episode well it's working for her I mean is it? it did the previous <laughs> are you yeah, pointing I'm at looking the at, I'm looking at this document and her name's highlighted in red which means it did not work up to this point it had been working for her. And she uh, even like saw it in the fridge and was like, I can't, can't grab this yogurt. But I, can't I have not. to grab this yogurt. <laughs> I can't not grab the yogurt. Um, it's almost like it's become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like when Gail said it, you know, she was like, it planted the seed in her mind and she just can't run away from it. Now she definitely wanted to make buttermilk. She wanted to make a buttermilk dressing, which would have been a little bit more ranchy, which might have helped that dish out too. But uh, you know, it sounds like she was having some real issues with concept in, in this challenge, you know, like a, she settled on a, a salad, which isn't always the best choice, but it, it may not be the most. It's certainly not the most innovative for this kind of challenge. I do want to say that Sarah is quickly becoming one of my favorites of this season. I really from the first couple of episodes, like I think that she is uh, incredibly talented and it seems like a very cool person. So I'm enjoying Sarah, hoping that uh, glad that she stuck around this episode. Although the yeah, the, the salad, I mean. Crab salad aside, like, you know, we'll get to Maria's salad, the Sarah salad. The salads didn't do great this, uh, for this challenge. But what, not to put you on the spot, Jim, yeah. do you, what, what, do you, how would you have approached this? Like, you know, in terms of what do you think you would have maybe tried to steer into or what would your thought process have been had this been revealed as the quick fire? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think that lots of them take sort of the – the very predictable route of like, let's mix it into a vinaigrette. Let's figure out how we can incorporate it into a sauce. Uh, you know, I, but I do think that rose water is, or rose in general is something that I would first for sure think to seafood. Um, and that's oftentimes a knee jerk for me, but I think that you want something salty to get, to go with that. Like, I mean, I would love to do a, you know, maybe like a, some kind of a rose water mignonette with a constructed oyster kind of play, like a raw oyster preparation is probably what I would have leaned towards on, on this. Now, there's oftentimes not raw oysters in the quick fire kitchen, but I think that something along some kind of seafood dish would be the way the route I would take with this. And you do see like almost all of these dishes are on for sure on the lighter side. I mean, there's not really like a, a big piece of, you know, no one's cooking steak for this challenge. So I think <laughs> I, that yeah. I was like maybe it's just me but i was like not super into like the many references to like my mom's trying always trying to lose weight and like my mom's always i was just like come on like aren't we past that like aren't we like over like having women only eat salads like come on i'm over i'm tired of it how much of that though was i figured out something to cook let me make up a story (laughs) I mean, I, I think guess, that, but even I think just that's to most say it. it to yeah. the camera, it's just like, really? Ugh, like, ugh. I want a steak. What would, the, I, fa- what would the Father's Day ingredient have been? Instead of rose, it's meat. like... Meat! Oh, the meat! Just meat everywhere! <laughs> Carne! We're giving you meat in a grill, and you eat it, and you have to make dinner with it. And that's it. No vegetables. 
Scott. Um, Avishar made soul with hollandaise and asparagus infused with rose. Um, I'll take the soul and hollandaise, but I hate asparagus. So. Why do you I just it, it's it's the texture, the taste. What about cre- cream of asparagus soup? I would rather die. Thank you. <laughs> Some spargle. I love spargle. Um, I loved his self-deprecating humor in this. He was like, 1996 called. They want their plating back. I was like, that, that is so funny. Because when you, he, you just saw him put it on the plate. And he was like, not happy with the way that presentation looked at all. And you, you gotta love that kind of self-deprecation in, in a game like this. I love Avishar so much. And I talk about it every week and I will never stop talking about it. I love him. I, I loved it. Like he was even like, there's a, childlike wonder when he discovered that there was rose sugar uh yeah. he's like what oh that's awesome and, but then it looks like he just like dumped it into the blender without tasting it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah this was no ohio soto or whatever that ohio risotto was he made last he was he was i, I just speaking of the self-deprecation i liked at the beginning of the episode he was like so i think i might cook a rice dish again yeah, he's like, like well, the curry one didn't go well, the risotto one didn't go well. He's like, I'll just do another one. They can send me home. Um, yeah. But glad that yeah. he largely steered away from that. Uh, he's great, and I love that he worked for Wiley Dufresne too. Um, you know, I don't know if you, any of you went to uh, WD Fifty when it was still open, or uh, you know, Wiley. I think is still doing Dew's Donuts these days. Uh, but I got to tell you, when I ate at WD50, it was one of the, the best experiences in a restaurant I'd ever had. And it was so cool. I did get to meet Wiley Friend in New York uh, after filming Top Chef and just such a super nice guy. You could definitely see sort of the the great attitude of Avishar working r- really well with Wiley in the kitchen. Like, I would love to see those two guys work together. I bet it's a lot of fun. And now that you say that, a lot of a lot of Avishar's techniques make a lot of sense. It's. It seemed like they were purposely avoiding using the phrase molecular gastronomy, <laughs> and and I don't know if that's like because of the the does that date the technique too much? Like is it's like it's it's just, it's just it's just another way of cooking. We'll we'll call it molecular gastronomy when it's a new thing, but now it's just kind of part of the toolkit. Is is that kind of what we're thinking? Is like they seem. Am I the only person that thought it was actually just kind of very much steering away from calling that out as a technique? Or was this yeah, not molecular gastronomy? No, no it's definitely not. No. But you can even okay. hear too in the elimination challenge when he says, I was trying not to use things like liquid nitrogen because I don't want to be associated with those quote unquote modernist techniques. I mean, he doesn't exactly say it like that, but you know, then he's like, well, I'm jumping right into it and doing what I, you know, I know, which is cool. But yeah, there's definitely saying molecular gastronomy now, I think from most chefs just results more in an eye roll than uh you know, like something to be respected. And I think that, I think if you were, I, I think that people like Wiley never really used that term at all. It was just more of a label that, you know, traditional quote unquote, traditional chefs put on them because they were doing something different. And then it got embraced by people who are, are lame for embracing it. But, you know, um, it's one of those things. It's definitely, that term is definitely dated now. And most, most everybody does think, you know, things that were cutting edge, you know, 10, 15 years ago, everybody does now. I mean, it's hard to find a kitchen that doesn't have a circulator and a cryovac machine in it, or, you know, uh, liquid nitrogen is not the hardest thing to use. I mean, yeah, you've got to be worried about, you know, freezing a finger off or something, but you know, it's not the, it's, they've lost their luster because they are so much used, but at the same time, people are picking and choosing which ones they like, you know? So it, it, it's, it's definitely data. Or like, you know, um, 
the like pearls and stuff to me that's that's so cheesy and it's it's how do you feel about a foam i yeah i i am i am anti-foam and i it's one of those things too where you know i know that people still like if you look at eric repairs websites you can still see that he's doing foam and there are lots of people who are still doing lots of foam but for me and it's not that it's unappetizing, but you just hear so many people say, I think I maybe have heard like Tom say, he doesn't want to eat something that looks like you spit on the plate. And I get that. <laughs> but, you know, if you look at, you know, Eric Repair, he makes awesome dishes with foam still to this day. And I know that they are incredibly delicious. So I'm just, I'm just glad we've not had the word spume this season <laughs> in terms yeah. of describing an element of the plate. <laughs> yeah. An asparagus spume, Haley. How do you feel about that? I, I, you want me to hang up right now because I will. She has the power to kick me out. So I'm I do. <laughs> I could kick everyone out and just make this. Haley has a podcast. Uh, Gabriel made cured snapper with hibiscus, rose juice, and rose pickles. I don't feel any way about this, honestly. Oh, really? I thought I thought this was one of the most beautiful dishes, and I think you even Mark uh, commented about how great it looked and that it worked really well. I was surprised that he was not in the top after this dish, mm-hmm. uh, but to me, it looked it looked gorgeous. Yeah, are they? Are, oh, go, ahead. go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, are are they making Gabriel the villain for sure this season? Uh, yeah, you know, He's it's been a while, right, since we've had an actual villain on Top Chef. Kind of, yeah, he, but he's at the same time they were there was a lot of like empathetic elements to his story. This so, like we had we had Jamie and Sarah kind of talking about how like Jamie I think said like he annoys everybody, which is kind of harsh. And then you have Sarah saying like, you can kind of sense that Gabriel wants to take the lead, but he's not really in a position to. But then you have the whole story about you know he's not really that close with his mom, so he was like doing this based on like his sisters. And then, like, growing up, he was overweight. And so he had a lot of, I think, empathetic parts of the story this week. But so I'm not because he's not really done. He's not really been, from what I could see in the edit, what we've seen as being bossy in previous or controlling in, in previous things. Yeah, like, I feel like he might be the quote unquote most villainous of the season. But I think you compare them compare him to any villain in Top Chef history and he's not even coming close. Yeah. Like, I feel like maybe he just doesn't really have a great um, sense of how other people perceive him. And maybe, and, and again, this is an edited TV show. Like, we don't know what it's what he's really like. Yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely true. I'm sure, I, I, I don't know him. I'm sure he's an awesome dude and he's obviously super talented. It's just, you know, that's one of those things where you, you got to be careful when you're like, uh, because when, uh, you know, like for instance, with it, when he was involved in the whole, the whole ribs thing, right? Like with Dawn, like she was definitely like not letting him push, push her around. It's just, you know, that's just one of those things you got to be careful. Hey, I have another question about him. As soon as I saw that there was someone called, um, Gabriel Pascuzzi. I was like, uh, hey, wait, do you think this is like Gabby Pascuzzi's twin or are they I mean, like, related? Is it, is I know that there are tons of Pascuzzi. What now? Isn't Gabby from Portland too? I, I, I'm not sure about that, but... Uh, I, yeah, I feel like she tweeted something that she she isn't related to him or anything, but <laughs> it is pretty funny. Yeah. It's good. As soon as I saw his name, it's like, I, do I know a Gabby Pascuzzi? I was like, wait, wait, no, no, no. I, I, I do not know a Gabby Pascuzzi, but I'm, you know, I was like, that's, that's a pretty interesting connection there, but no. 
Um, Maria was in the bottom with her arugula salad with rose vinaigrette, crusted shrimp, and rose sugar papaya. Uh, she said she's allergic to shrimp, so she wasn't totally sure why she was making it. And her story was very much like, uh, my mom likes to eat light, I guess. Like, it's not even like my mom's favorite food is shrimp. Like, I just have to make these shrimp if I'm making a mom dish. Um, and I really liked her. I really, she was starting to talk about how her son has two moms. And I would have really loved to kind of get something more based on that, I think. I think we might have found what was not in the Canadian edit, Haley. Oh. Did you oh, see Maria's call no, home? Yeah, I did see that. Oh. Yeah. But I would have liked to see more of that in the dish, I mean. Like, I'm glad we saw okay. it in the show. But I just wish we saw more, like, okay, so like make a dish combining of, like, what I love and what my wife loves. Like, I, yeah. that would have been a cool way to tie that in. Um, it was the rose sugar papaya really intrigued me. Like, they yeah. kind of glossed over a little bit in the pre- presentation of the dish. but. That sounds like it could be potentially really tasty. And, I, and I'm also really liking the whole Gabe, Nelson, Maria, just like, let's just talk in Spanish. Um, like, you know, I'm it's just and I, earlier when, in the season, Maria was like, you know, raving about the fact that she loves having Nelson around because they can just speak in Spanish and sometimes it's just easier. Um, and so there was a lot. I'm, I'm liking seeing more and more of that uh, as, the, as the seasons progress or the episodes progress. Yeah, I think that's awesome. It's, it's good to see, you know, lots of ki- lots of kitchens. There's always uh, usually a lot of Spanish going on and very, you know, and, and lots of kitchens across the country. So it is really cool and it is comforting to see, you know, them sort of like switch right over in, into the into the Spanish while we're all working in the kitchen. And it's 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 not it's nice to have that kind of representation on the show that is as far as, you know, casting usually goes is very does a very good job at casting diverse staff, uh, cast. It's really great to see it here on, on this season. I figured with the amount of attention that she was getting, that she was either going to be in the top or the bottom. I didn't just didn't know which. <laughs> That's exactly how I felt too, Kurt. So I was pretty blindsided that she made a good dish that they liked, but she she didn't win. Um, my friend Emily texted like I I texted that to my friend Emily, and she said that um, she thinks that this is probably more of like a long game setup mm-hmm. than a short game setup. Yeah, it was, but it was, I liked getting to see a little bit more of her. We'll talk a little bit more about some of the compliments she got regarding the elimination challenge dish. I thought I want to make sure we focus on that and get to it. But um, yeah, this, this though, at least yeah, I think Nelson was trying this for her or somebody was, um, but yeah, that was a interesting choice. Yeah. You know, you, you never want to cook something that you can't taste. I mean, that's when she was like, I'm allergic to shrimp. I was like, uh, you're obviously not tasting that shrimp. The shrimp aren't the hardest thing to cook, but still, they can be finicky. Um, um, Nelson was also in the bottom with his puerco criolla with sweet plantains, butterfly pea flower beans. Are you sure this wasn't the Father's Day dish? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wasn't. A little pork and beans. I, I thought this dish was awesome. Like, I, I think the plantains were really cool. I think the idea of it was was really good, but I think this is... He landed on the bottom because of the lack of rose in the dish, right? Mm-hmm. Don't think mm-hmm. so. Yeah, yeah, he definitely because he only put it in in, in the beans. And I, it's, beans are so strong, and you got to imagine he may be cooking them with something. They look like to me like from the pictures that they had lard in it, maybe. And so you've got a lot of big, heavy flavors in those beans. There may be other meat in there too, which would probably drown out that rose pretty heavily. Which was probably his intention, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it probably was. 
Shoda came to the table with rose mochi ball with rose syrup and rose water yuzu fruits. He really went all in on the rose. Yeah, he's 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 done mochi like things several times before in the past too. Correct. Um, I, th- I think so. The uh, this was this was interesting. I guess this is. I said I kind of had a top two. I technically I guess have a uh, a top three. This is another one I was interested in trying. It looked beautiful. Um, so I'm kind of curious, you know, how it ended up tasting. It was in the, he was kind of squarely in the middle, but um, this sounded even though it was like rose mochi ball, rose syrup, rose water, user fruits. Uh, heavy on the rose, but it looked amazing. Yeah, it did. Uh, Shoda, Shoda is is definitely cooking. Like I would love to eat everything he touches. Like I, I like I agree with y'all. He's so, he's such a pleasure to watch, and uh, like the other t- contestants, they love to hear him laugh. Like he doesn't really seem like he's loving every second in the kitchen, and it, it's yeah, everything he everything he touches, I would definitely like to eat. And, and to me, the, I thought this one was going to be on the top too, especially with Amar uh, commenting about how how texturally right the the mochi dough was in such a short period of time. That's not an easy thing to make. So it is super impressive. Yeah. It's just so much fun to have around. He's very, he's a bright soul. Uh, Don made fennel and rose fritter with macerated peaches and sour cream. Um, this was another dish I was kind of surprised wasn't in the top because we, we saw Padma comment on how she was enjoying the texture, especially the peaches. Despite the fennel, I kind of really wanted to try this. Do you think this? Do you think you would like it more in a dessert than in a savory dish? Um, I mean, I you mean fennel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Um, are you just like out on the flavor across the board? Roasted fennel, I can actually you you lose some of the flavor. I don't like once you like cook it. Um. So, but but here, like, I'm very just curious about the combination, like, you know, in in a fritter format with the peaches and sour cream. I'm just, I'm just kind of curious. I don't this this combination has me curious what it would end up tasting like. That's mm-hmm. very curious. Yeah, I think this is a beautifully constructed dish, and it's a really great idea. You know, when, whenever you have fennel new to a dish like this you're really going to get those star anise flavors and i do think that that really pairs well with the rose and the peaches and you have the creaminess of the sour cream like i do think this is a really a very well thought out dish and a dish that incorporates the ingredients in a way that makes a lot of sense uh, i was i was also surprised this one wasn't near the top too but yeah uh and gabe was also in the top with his rose of turbo cured in rose and smoked in rose buds was he the one who put the rose petals a lot i wasn't like my taste personally like i get what he was doing but it's a little heavy-handed on the on the uh, the rosiness of it maybe i've just watched too many episodes of the bachelor and roses and just completely <laughs> yeah. for me when i when i was getting married i was talking to my florist i was like i swear to god if you put a rose in there i'm done i can't <laughs> i can't have you put a rose in there the uh gabe was on fire he was heavy handed throughout this this uh, episode in terms of the we'll get to his presentation of the uh, of his dishes in the in the elimination challenge. But we were this is like Gabe letting let loose this episode. <laughs> Enjoying the guy. Yeah, I think he's a in my mind, he's he, he's one to, to watch out for. And yeah. that, that Noma experience is really like that's one of those things where chefs would you know, like I would love to go and work at Noma for uh, for a while. You know, so he he has some really cool experience and is 
has a really great point of view. He was the one that um, last week was uh, Amar. Like they love the sauce. He's an expert uh, at, at saucing. They like Amar licked the plate clean. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's. I was a little bit surprised how he ended up performing in the elimination challenge, but uh, that's like the only hiccup I think we've seen from Gabe. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And then we move into into the elimination challenge, which was one of my favorite elimination challenges so far, if not like in all of Top Shop. I thought this was so fun. I think this is really sh- this is a challenge that really showcases how creative that production is getting with with making you know COVID safe, COVID friendly um, challenges work. And so we created an elevated diamond movie dish inspired by a movie genre, uh, and. I have to say the best part of the episode was uh, Padma's like introductions to the genres. <laughs> She's really showing off her acting chops, uh, you know, best Is known she... in Glitter. <laughs> Mariah Carey's Glitter. Oh, yeah. That's true. Um, I loved, I, I love those. Those are hilarious. I love that Padma was giggling at herself the entire Tom or time where Tom was like rolling his eyes. Uh, a mag- it was just magical for me. She was loving seeing herself up there. I mean, not in like a egotistical sort of way, but you could tell that she had had fun with it. Yeah, she's like, "Look, it's coming up. Like my part's coming up." <laughs> um. So the so the contestants were divided into two teams, and they were doing a head to head battle. Um, Jim did a head to head battle back in his season, right, with the radishes. Uh, absolutely, me versus Katsuji. And I will say that, uh, not, not to talk about dishes that I made at Top Chef, that is one of my favorite plates that I made the entire time that I've been on any of Top Chef. And it was very painful to lose to my buddy Kazuji there. But, uh, um, yeah, I, these head to head challenges can be weird, you know, depending on how they structure them. You know, like if, if they're head to head teams, but still, you know, the only people who lose are up for elimination. But that's not only the way that this one was structured. Um, but these kind of this challenge, I agree with you. This is maybe one of my favorite challenges I've seen on Top Chef in a long time. You know, they're cooking for a lot of people, but they're not cooking for 500 people. So yeah. you know, they're they're tested, but it's not like it's some totally outrageous number of folks they're cooking for. And also, you can see that this kind of 
set up to gives them a lot of chance to help each other out in the kitchen and to plan things together. And I, you know, when, when Patton was describing the drive-in movie, I was like, what kind of movie are they going to watch? What are they going to oh, watch? Yeah. And as soon as they pulled up, I was like, Oh, this <laughs> makes so much more sense. They've got the cameras going live in the kitchen showing what's going to happen before they, before they're cooked, uh, before the cooks come out. And so I, I just thought this challenge was really very cleverly set up and executed and so much fun. I thought the same thing. I really liked the concept. I was, however, a little underwhelmed by the finished dishes. I mean, there were some, uh, for the most part, there were some that really stood out to me. And as I was sitting there, it, it's weird. It says, like, this is the sort of challenge I think I would appreciate. But I was also stuck. I think when I was thinking, like, well, what would I have tried to make? And I've, I think, I, I don't know. Well, I um, think, I think especially, <clears throat> sorry, early on with the yellow team, they really strayed away from, thinking about what would work at a drive-in theater. Um, You know, Jamie's sticky fried chicken wings. Like, like, that is right. You don't want to eat, you don't want to eat chicken wings in your car. Um, You know, Chris's, Harissa barbecue ribs. Again, I don't want to eat ribs in my car. Uh, And Gabriel's cauliflower tots. It's like, that's just boring. Sorry, everyone. Um, but, But the, but the people who, you know, put things in a stick or, made it so that your hands weren't getting dirty. I thought that Maria's Sonoran hot dog with a homemade bun was the most genius dish dish that we got here um, because she made the hot dog herself. She made the bun. She really elevated it. But it's what you want when you go to the drive-in theater. I knew when Richard Blaze was explaining some of the rules and he was like, and make he, he, they kind of cut to him emphasizing the make sure that you know, this is going to be at a drive-in, make sure that this is appropriate for eating in a car. I knew that there was likely going to be some people who didn't fully take that into consideration. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of stuff here that looks good in terms of appropriateness for the drive-in. I think it, for me, it was like the, like, how is that comedy or how is that, action i think both teams were like well you have to take the act of dunking but at the same time i was like i don't know what i would have necessarily made if it, it would be interesting because i was thinking like if it was a progressive dinner where there, like, there were five courses and mm-hmm. the entire meal for one team was supposed to be drama and the other team had comedy i could see you telling a story over a series of dishes and courses but to be able to fully capture the genre in a single dish i don't know other than Horror and sci-fi seemed the closest because you could visually represent things. Yeah, I would agree with you. But it didn't seem like they went in too hard on the people for not like super representing the genre. Um, I would say the one who got the most like trouble for that was Gabriel. And when he said, oh, the action of dunking, they're kind of like, really, dude? Like, he's like, cauliflower toss. He was like, yeah, no, I know it was a stretch. Yeah, it didn't seem like they're going too too hard on on that aspect of things but it was definitely the tougher aspect of it was trying to fit it in with the genre i thought it was unfortunate like looking at the first pairing a they both did chicken so that's one thing but then jamie's explanation of it being like the classic you know comedy joke gag of just like a rubber chicken and then Richard pointing out that the chicken tasted like rubber was like yeah, bit, oh that so was not the best best idea on her part where would you have leaned towards comedy i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off oh no no i was just gonna say it's it's definitely a bad omen when you draw your inspiration from a rubber chicken and then choose to make chicken (laughs) like it's it's almost you're you're inviting you're inviting trouble really but you know 
Comedy is a really tough one because they probably say you can't make any references specific to any movie. So like if there was some funny, you know, something that was funny about food from some movie you could think of, you probably can't reference that directly. I, you know, you know, what makes food funny? I, I think the rubber chicken was actually a good inspiration. I mean, I thought that, I thought that they were like, KFC is funny because it's KFC. It's Korean fried chicken. I was like, that's not really even funny at all. And you see that on tons of people's menus everywhere these days. And so I, to me, like, I, I did not understand how that was supposed to be funny at all. They're like, because it's KFC. I'm like, uh, yeah, not, not so much. <laughs> I, th- I think I had once had a, um, a chicken wing that had like pop rocks on it. It was actually, it was, it was, so it was a sweeter, it was a sweeter wing. And, and so I think maybe something that's might've been what I would have leaned into is like somehow incorporating pop rocks or sorry, exploding candies as they probably (laughs) would have referred to them on the show. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, comedy is really a tough one. I mean, you know, my initial thought was, Oh, like pie in the face. And what do they do is they, they show Padma introducing the the (laughs) clip with the pie to the face, you know? Uh, So it, it is definitely kind of a, that one's a real tough inspiration, yeah. you know, especially compared to the other ones, you know, like, um, what is a great challenge where, um, what movie, the horror movie challenge that was, um, Oh, the uh, Snow White, uh, yes, uh, the Snow uh, White challenge. Where yeah. Tatsuji just like went like this on the plate. Is that this, or was that a book one? I think that might have been Maleficent, a book one. Wasn't it? Wasn't it the Maleficent one? Yeah, which, Sleeping yeah. Beauty, which I think was Sleeping Beauty. Anyway, it was one of those fairy tales, Jim. You're right. <laughs> yeah, but that was that was one of the best challenges ever. You know, like you get the like the black chicken fa- plate and the bloody handprint on the plate, and there yeah. were so many really great like scary and creative things because they're you know they're using fear as an inspiration. But this one, comedy is you know like I, I comedy is probably the toughest one in my mind. I think. Yeah, the the other one this that this challenge reminded me of was the Chicago season where they went to a second city and they had the improv challenge where the oh. audience was throwing out suggestions like pick a like a pick a food and a color and a mood or we can't remember what all the specific ones were, but then they had to make a dish that was you know that was reflective of these random suggestions. Um, so that was something that I that this that. The similar kind of creative thinking behind that is what I was kind of leaning into for this one as well. So, um, you know, just despite me having, you know, I think I would have had a lot of trouble with this, not just because I'm, I'm not a chef, um, but uh, I, I did appreciate the creativity of been the thinking behind the challenge. So this this was fun. Byron did well, though, right? Uh, yeah, I was honestly <laughs> a little surprised that Byron won this. Um, you know, his, his Korean style gochujang fried chicken sounded delicious, but I guess when when you're first, it's hard to be like, oh, yeah, like this is definitely the best dish because when you're first, you don't know. Um, it's hard to make where it's not sticky and like, yeah. gre- like fried chicken. Fried chicken is greasy. The, the gochujang fried chicken I've had in my but life. You put it on a stick, which was smart. That's true. Yeah. The, but it's always the ones I've had have always been well sauced. So, um, I've not had unmessy Korean fried chicken. Um, but I think between the two was the one I would have definitely wanted to try. I'm a sucker for gochujang. Um, in the drama category, um, Chris made the aforementioned ribs uh, where Don made a duo of popcorns. Um, hearing that I was a little bored by it, but you know, the duck skin, um, popcorn with the spiced caramel popcorn. That does sound really good. Um, and I got where she was going with it and I think it really makes sense for the challenge. And, you know, it was kind of like a filler item that got them a point. 
Yeah, it's this one. Um, I think this is also where you saw that you could do a lot of the connecting between your dish and the genre in your setup to the crowd. Like she was talking about drama has things that are sweet, but then things that are spicy in terms of how people interact with each other. Or, um, and that was a kind of a setup for the dish. I was like, okay, I see what you're doing there. Um, so, and, and just the fact that this was also, I think one of the few things that leaned into the, what you would, it, it was like a take on a traditional theater dish anyway. So like so it was I was glad to see somebody try to do something with popcorn. And this is the one where Richard was like, Yeah, it should have been one of those jumbo containers. Um so I, I did like those little bits of pieces of people wanting, you know, saying, I really want more of this. Um we see that you know later for some of the dishes as well. Um but yeah, the barbecue ribs. They look good, but but then um I think Tom mentioned that the flavor was all on the outside. There was no flavor once you got to it, and I was kinda like, oh, yeah, I'm just a believer that ribs should pretty much never be cooked in the oven. And I know that um, that there was success, some success earlier in the season from from Dawn cooking the ribs in the oven. But for me, they're just never as good as they should be compared to like a, a slow smoked rib. Um, and you know the I, before we say that, I, I gotta say I loved the cut to Dougie and BJ in the car. Yes. Y'all notice that? BJ, yeah, like, yeah. It's kind of hard to eat this rib in the car. You know, like, I just, it just cracked me up. It's great to see those guys. Uh, it, yeah, it made it to the drive-in. I've not um, seen Dougie since Top Chef Boston. Boston. He was uh, he was a favorite of the uh, the panel back in the day. Um, so it was good to see Dougie. Yeah, I want to say that Doug. Um, Again, I don't know him very well, but we are we do I, we follow each other on social media. I know that you know he hasn't had a restaurant in a while since the beginning of the pandemic, and I also believe that his house burned down in the in the fires. Oh my god! And so I know that he's had a really you know a, a difficult you know year for sure, like lots of people. But you know his year also included losing a house. But I do think I do think I know uh, saw that he's got a food truck business up and running these days. So I'm glad I'm glad to, it was so awesome to see Doug and BJ on yeah. on the screen together. BJ was on your season, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and then in action, we get the aforementioned hot dog and the aforementioned cauliflower tods. I mean, I'm sorry, Gabriel. The call, I get where he's going with it, but what a nap of a dish. Like, oh my gosh, I am like yawning thinking about cauliflower tods. I, I was trying to think what, to, like, could I have, like, turned, like, in this into like action adventure, like, okay, an adventure movie, like Indiana Jones, like what could I have done that shows like uh, either motion or, you know, relics or uh, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It's just, it seems like there's so many things you can tap into, but I, but I have a hard time then making the transition to it. Like almost like making like a samosa shaped, like, yeah, like the Raiders of the Lost Ark or something. I don't know since yeah. well, I've never seen an Indiana Jones. What? Yeah. Kurt, how is this a surprise to you? I like seven movies and that's it. I only like the movie Notting Hill. That is the only movie I'll watch. So you'd have gone for? Would you consider that romance then? Yes. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll, we're okay. We're gonna. You have like a couple of genres to think about. What you? What Notting Hill dish would you make? Because we're gonna come back to our romance. <laughs> I only like comedies and romantic comedies. Even even that's a stretch sometimes. So I was gonna say there'd be Star Wars, but Star Wars would be sci-fi. I don't think you yeah, could I'm not sci-fi being action. I'm not watching um, a Star Wars either. What, um, if, what if you did? What if you did like Fast and Furious donuts? They said the donuts look like little tires. 
What? Something like that. Something like that would definitely be a good idea. You this this is the, one of those challenges that's just so hard. Like you, it's, mm-hmm. you really want to try to come up with a good dish and then you know retcon your movie yeah. construction. <laughs> but that's the problem I have because I I would be trying to think of a movie and then what dish would that inspire. But you really come up with a good appropriate drive-in dish and then figure out what movie that best links to. I think I'm approaching it backwards. Yeah, or if you or if you think about like, okay, what's in action movies? Well, there's explosions. Do you make a dish that looks like an explosion? Yeah, maybe, or or very much like your car well, race like kind of, of thing. explodes when you bite into it, or something. yeah, something yeah, like that. Would be messy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that's that's fair too. Or you know, I mean, a, a hot dish makes sense for action. You know, maybe maybe yeah. brings the, up the spice level or something there. Oh, mm-hmm. I had an idea this morning. I was thinking, okay, heist movies are typically action movies. So what if it was something that you bit into it and there was like a golden filling, like you're breaking into the bank. In this. Oh, interesting. Uh, That's good. Uh, I don't know what they would be like a mustardy filling or a uh, buttercream filling. I don't know if it'd be sweet or savory, uh, but that's, I think. Where what if you up. didn't know? What if you didn't know? What if, yeah, what if it was like those jelly beans where you don't know what Mister- you're Mystery bites could be mustard, could be, you know, uh, Boston cream. But the I, I was I, I was glad that we got especially when Maria was going up against Gabriel. I was pretty convinced that Maria was going to come out on top on this battle, and she did. It also struck me. I think we were talking about she had she had those convection ovens in which she was I think making the the buns. Uh, yeah, tiny ovens. Very yeah. nervous. Yeah, and she said these are tiny, like these are what you would have at home, and that just made me really realize that I would probably be if I had to go into like a legit restaurant kitchen to prepare something, I would probably be completely lost because like everything I'm used to is kitchen, like home kitchen size. And there's like, you were all the things that you were talking about uh, earlier, Jim, when we were talking about the molecular gastronomy and some of these things are just, just part and parcel to, you know, kitchens now is like, I would be completely lost. I think in a modern day restaurant kitchen in terms of, I just want to boil some water, help. Um, it's it's definitely the inverse of that for me. Lots of times people ask me, oh, do you cook at home a lot? And I say, you know, when you cook at home and I don't have like some massive home kitchen, I have a little electric range. I'm like, when you try to cook at home, you have all this like rinky dink equipment that's not, you know, you you can't really do what you do in a in a restaurant kitchen. And especially if you're, you're like you have a tiny little stove and the oven, you can fit like one small little thing in. And, you know, it's just difficult when you're used to like working with like real power tools to go back to like you know, little apartment kitchen stuff, you know, and it's really not the easiest thing to do to to switch back and forth, you know, and it really limits what you cook at home, you know, and it makes it more difficult to cook at home. We're like, you know, it's so much more awesome when you can just like load up a rack and, you know, pass it through the industrial dishwasher and you're, you're ready to go versus like pre-washing and then hoping your, you know, your dishwasher doesn't trip the the breaker in your apartment, you know, those kind of things. Uh, it's just not the easiest thing. I mean, it's, it's not the most fun thing to cook at home just because it's the equipment is lacking almost always. Especially if, if you're dated, like, your day to day is with all of these options in the, at the at the restaurant, and I know. And there's been some challenges in the past. Where I remember uh, there was the one where Brooke came to the chef's uh, house to. And they had to cook lunch for a brunch for her and Padma, I believe. Mm, oh and yeah. There was, and then the feast of the seven fishes when they were in like a house or kitchen. the dessert one. Remember uh, the dessert one where they had to make like 400 desserts yeah. at like midnight. And I can't remember if you were involved. Like, I'm just happy that I remember some of these challenges. And I can't remember yeah. if you were involved in any of them, Jim. But the feast of the seven, the feast of the seven fishes, uh, fishes happened at Fig Restaurant in Charleston, or at least the one that we, the version we did. 
Oh, then maybe I'm, yeah, that's I must be thinking of the dessert one then. I think you, was, yeah. Because yeah, there, there was what well, there was like, it was like they were in somebody's home and using their home kitchen. But did you have that in any of your challenges where you had a substandard or sub uh, optimal uh, cooking arrangement in terms of like where you were cooking? Was it the barbecue one? <laughs> oh, well, the barbecue, well, that was all outdoor equipment, but we yeah. got like, we got smokers that were the size of like right. commercial dumpsters, you know, so it was easy to <laughs> on those. <laughs> Um, I want, hey, remember that in Top Chef Masters when they had to cook in hotel rooms and like people were utilizing like uh, the bathtub and they had like one burner and a tiny fridge and, like, and there was like that, an iron. Um, yeah. Some of oh, Dale, well, that's true. Dale Talladay, you got to remember the iron grilled cheese yeah. when they had to spend the night in, in Walmart, I think. Yeah. Oh, I like these. And it was funny because this was also the, I thought it was interesting that in the, um, uh, I can't, was it the it must have been the previously on section because I don't think Tom said it in this episode, but there was a point where he I think I remember he was I think he was saying it to Shoda and maybe Nelson that like you're going to be uncomfortable. You get to cook your food at the finale. Up until then, you have to be you're going to be uncomfortable in terms of, you know, the things you're going to be asked to do, which I thought was which I thought was interesting and somewhat true, but at the same time. It's a matter of I think we've seen it's yeah it's meeting the challenges and curves and wrenches that are thrown at you, but in a way that's still true to your own style. Yeah, I yeah, would they, agree. I feel like they've gotten a lot of s in the past for not cooking their food. So for Tom to say that, I kind of side eyed it just a little bit. Yeah, they definitely. I, I yeah, Tom. Tom has a point. Like you know, they're they're pushing everyone out of their comfort zones, but it's all about bringing you know, your food story into the craziness that they throw at you that they really love. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, moving on to the sci-fi category. Um, I feel like this was probably the strongest for both sides or like the strongest battle. Um, Avishar made star s'mores with burnt marshmallow ice cream, liquid graham and milk chocolate. And everyone seemed to love, 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 love this. I think maybe it was Tom who said that this is like the best conception of a dish in the challenge where Nelson made an unidentified Dominican object with your cork corn and candied yams. I thought that was hilarious. I love that he made it in a disc. Um, I thought both of these dishes were were real standouts. It was. It was. This was the one where I, there was. What's interesting is that the uh, Nelson won like two thirds to one third of the vote. And I think it was like one of the. I think it was the next one, the horror one, where it was just like a thin margin between the two. So despite. I, just, I, I think for this one, Tom was in the vast minority. Like he he loved Avishar's dish, but there's even the point where he's like looking over, and I think he's talking to, I think he was talking to Gail and Richard Blaze um, in the next car over, and they were like, "Yeah, we love the we love Nelson's dish." And Tom's like, "Really? That's the one you're going to vote for? Okay." But it was kind of that Tom. It was that Tom. Okay. Um, so I, I had a feeling that even if. Even if Avishar was on the Avishar's team was on the bottom, well, which uh, that he would be end up being safe. Um, but luckily, or, or say even if uh, even if Avishar was on, uh, I don't know. What I'm saying, but I figured he would be safe regardless. Yeah, I think so too. I think if he had been on the losing team, he would have been safe. Yeah. And he, I, 
I can't remember who mentioned it, but the attention to detail of like burning the skewers before doing the whole thing was just yeah. real. I think that was Kwame who said that, you know, it was just really very cool. And his, the introductions to both of these dishes were hilarious. And, you know, I, I this was obviously, I think probably the, the best round as far as like the closest match of, of the, of the good dishes. Hey, I do also want to say that, um, uh, the Pad- Padma's introduction to this was by far one of my favorite, but I always, I can never, I can never disassociate Padma and sci-fi with, um, you know, her appearance on Enterprise, um, which is a great piece of television. If y'all are looking for some, <laughs> if you're all your Padma fans out there want to get some, some more Padma and sci-fi, don't forget to check out Enterprise because it is, is a really enjoyable episode. I didn't know she was on Enterprise. Oh, God. Padma, Padma's on, uh, on Enterprise. She plays a princess, as you can imagine, who uh, has to get transported, you know, somewhere safe through the Enterprise crew. And there's some, you know, some love interest going on. And uh, it's, a, it's a really fun episode. And it's, a, it's definitely pre-Top Chef, I believe. Um, but it's, it's worth a watch for okay. all you Padma fans out there. Gotcha. I, I also wasn't surprised that Avishar did sci-fi. That seems yeah. to that seems. It was like, sci-fi, sci-fi, please, please, just, yeah. I mean, just let me have it. The, and I think Gail um, called him an adorable nerd or something like that. Yeah, he was like, uh, "My, but on Earth, I go by Danny." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, Tom, Tom is loving this. You know, I was really, I would have really wanted to try Nelson's dishes, but both of these looked really good. Um, so, yeah, kudos to the Sci-Fi Squad. Uh, no kudos to the Horror Squad. Um, this was. The reverse of the sci-fi, where it was everyone's it was. least favorite battle, where it was it was so close because they were both so bad. Um, Gabe made a Mexican uh, campechana with oyster scallops, Dungeness crab, and charred shrimp. Where Shota made a I don't even want to say it a cheesy bloody dog with a Japanese bechamel and with cheddar cheese. Um, at least Gabe's looked appetizing. Yeah, but I'm not too. I guess Shoda acknowledged at judges' table that perhaps he steered a bit too much into the theme. But like for the for the horror, like this is the one where I would have been like, yeah, like as long as it tastes great, make it look awful. Like I'm I don't. Fine with that. No, I can't. I can't have <laughs> things look awful because I just I have a weak stomach. Was it the Was it black sesame that he used for the? Like, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. It just uh, I, I, I just can't I'm imagine sorry, picking I'm, that up and being like, yes, this is a dream. I, I agree with you, Kurt. Like to me, like when I saw that dish, I was like, oh, this is so cool. He made the most disgusting looking burnt thing on a stick and it's going to be great. But then everyone tasted it and was like, I don't know about this. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, I thought it was going to be all I was ready for it to be awesome and to love it. But it, it just didn't deliver. And his story that he's just like, I never want my dog to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, I like the look to on Gail when he was. First of all, so this was also another weird one in terms of the setup. First of all, like Gabe's like the, the most horrific thing I can imagine happening is something happening to my dog. So I'm making a bloody cheese dog. I'm like, oh no! And then the look on Gail's face. Um, but the this did remind me of, and I had I googled it. It was the um, bit for an evil queen was the uh, Snow White and the Huntsman tie-in for Top Chef, where Charlize Theron uh, was one of the guest judges, and and that's what I kind of thought with this we talked about earlier with this horror one is that you had a little bit more rain to be creative, but sure. It can't be so off putting Haley that it makes you want to be like, I'm not even going to, you know, touch this or put it in my, in my mouth. It was unsettling. At the same time, I wonder if there could have been more of a, uh, uh, walking that line where the judges are like, this looks really, 
could you steer into odd? Uh, I think you could still do horrific without without being off putting. Maybe I don't know, but maybe. But again, I have a weak stomach, so yeah. hard to say. Yeah, when, when I saw that dish, I really thought I was like, okay, he's going to win. I was like, it's it's good for the challenge. It's on a stick. It makes sense. It looks scary. It's going to have red stuff inside coming out. I was like, this is going to be perfect. And then it's just a total bomb, which sucks. Because I think that as far as the creativity and connection to the challenge, like this dish is the one that made the most sense to me. But it's got to taste good. Yeah. And then I, I have to say, I loved Gabe's setup. For his drink. And this was the one where it had the crackers on the side. I was like, I assume he didn't make those. Um, but this one, it was, it was funny because I'm like, other than I think you referenced it, it looked a little bit bloody. His entire way of making this spooky was talking like this when he presented <laughs> his dish. Uh, which I thought was hilarious, actually. Um, so I think, I think the churro might have been a better fit for this. You know, it could have been like, okay, it's a churro, yeah. but it has liver inside it. You know, like yeah. that. that instead That's of actually a good like, point. That's it might have yeah. worked a lot better here. Especially because you, I love that idea. They should have, yeah, swapped it around. And then, because this was, this was red. It could, you could have passed it off as something romantic and like, mm-hmm. You know, it's you know aphrodisiac uh, oysters. Yeah, you know, yeah I think that's a, I think that's a great call. Their um, biggest issue was with it was that it just had no flavor whatsoever. It was like tomato juice almost. Right? Yeah, it was like a Bloody Mary. Yeah. <laughs> it, looks, it looks like your Bloody Mary there, Kirk. Uh, you know, it's it's it, that's exactly what it looked like. To me, I was like, it, they might have liked it better if he loaded it up with vodka. Yeah, <laughs> not a terrible idea. Um, romance. Um, all of the green team made the churro with chicken liver mousse, strawberry sauce, and dolce de leche. And Sarah made a your place or mine milkshake with chocolate hazelnut and strawberry miso whip. I loved Sarah's idea. I think that's a perfect ending. I think that's a great dessert. I feel like it fit with the theme of romance. Great call. Excellent, excellent call. Um, I would have liked the churros. Um, I thought the chicken liver mousse was going to be separate. And I didn't hate the idea of dipping um, a churro in chicken liver mousse. I did hate the idea of dipping a churro in chicken liver mousse mixed with strawberry sauce. Here is what this made me think of was uh, I was lucky enough to get to visit Tokyo for a long weekend several years ago. And when my friend that lives there, we went to um, a, a restaurant where I had foie gras with strawberries on it, strawberry slices on it. And so I know it's not one for one the same, but it's still, that it, it was a good pairing. And mm-hmm. so it got me, that's where this kind of took me, like the churro part aside, I wasn't actually bothered by the, the chicken liver mousse. But it was just like a, a dollop mixed in the middle of it. So that when you're dipping, I, I don't, I feel like it, I don't know. I'm really, this, know. I'm really curious about it because this is like sweet and salty. I would have yeah. like really been curious about this. And I'm fine with the sweet and salty, and yeah. I like the idea of the sweet churro with the kind of like salty chicken liver mousse, but just the strawberry. I'm surprised like a lot the, of things. So I'm surprised that it was the um, that it was the 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 sauce, the strawberry sauce. That's actually was the 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 thing that gave you the 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 hiccup here in terms of thinking about it. Well, just that you mix together is yeah. just throwing me off. Like it, like, and I get the strawberries on top of like foie gras. But I guess just the mixing of like two kind of saucy things is just because there's also the dolce de leche, right? Yeah, 
Oh, it does also remind me, now that y'all are saying this out loud, I was like, oh, yeah, wait, that's something like I like I do. In fact, I did do on Top Chef, right? The chicken liver, the, ch- the chicken liver plate that won me that yeah. first quick fire yeah. involves marinated strawberries on that dish, as well as ranch. Um, so. <laughs> was, that a, was that a Hidden Valley Ranch challenge? Uh, no, it was not. <laughs> <laughs> so those, those, are, those are pairings. When he said the pairings, I, to me, I was like, and this is another one that I thought was just going to knock it out of the park because those, all of those ingredients should work well together in kind of a creative way, but it just it fell flat. So I was really surprised at this one, too. And Maria was very apprehensive about this. So I like her attitude of, this might not be Maria's taste, but it might be somebody's taste. <laughs> yeah. The... Um, Oh, do, do we do are are churros by definition cinnamony, or not necessarily? Like, because I, I think that would have been like another thing that would have thrown me off is the, if it was like also in addition to the chicken liver, the strawberry, the dulce de leche. If there's also cinnamon there, it's like that's a lot going on also. Uh, but I don't know if that's by definition if it had to have uh, cinnamon. Yeah, I think there's probably a little bit of flexibility on mm-hmm. what you top your churro with, and if it had been mostly savory and the only sweetness been in the two dipping sauces, then that that. Also makes sense to me, but you're right. Adding sort of that cinnamon sugar crunch on it might not have worked well with everything yeah. else. Uh, and we we lose Jamie. I was very sad, little surprised, but not totally shocked. Yeah, it was. I mean, let's see. So it was a th- ended up being a three three tie between the green team and the yellow team, um, and they and and a Byron and with his gochujang chicken ended up being like the favorite dish overall. So all of the green folks are safe. So that ended up looking at the yellow team. You had um, the only people that lost were Jamie, Chris, and Gabriel. And Chris had... But they didn't take, they didn't take Shota's dish off the table to eliminate. They didn't, but I was pretty sure that he was like, if yeah. he won by... if Well, he, that was the one where it was like a thin margin. Yeah. I was pretty sure that because he won, he wasn't going... It would have been too contentious. Um, so I was pretty sure that he was going to be safe. I was pretty sure Nelson was going to be safe. I was pretty sure Sarah was going to be safe. Um, especially in terms of Shoda's was just, I just, I just didn't feel like he was really going to be in contention, especially with the issues that Jamie's and Gabriel's dishes had. And so I was actually, I was expecting Gabriel to go home. I was a little bit surprised that it was Jamie. Um, and me too. I thought, I thought for sure Gabriel was done. Yeah, but I mean, but then you think back to like my second rewatch, where you know it starts out with you know Jamie saying, "Well, this I wanted to leave the you know the chicken in there for a little bit longer," but my team was saying, "Take it out now." I don't know if that contributed to the issue at all. Um, and they definitely show made a point of showing Gabriel say, "No, let's cook it less time." Um, oh yeah, yeah, they for sure did that. You know, sometimes. Sometimes it's bad at the judge's table if you're like, well, look, my team told me uh, if you say I knew it was the wrong way, but my team told me to do it. You know, that that makes them look at you as less confident and defending your dish. So it may not have been the, the best approach for her. Just but, you know, you got to listen to your team at the same time. Yeah. So well, it's the same. It's like I'm wondering. I know they kind of they they each had their own individual individual dishes. So I'm wondering, like, what was the actual like? The fact, like, did she was it was it a vocal enough objections to her keeping it in, or was it a suggestion and she decided to go along with? It? I don't know. We'd have to. Yeah, it, it seemed like she would have been able to voice that potentially more, but I don't know. Um, yeah, but 
we I was I was very surprised just given the edit that uh, but I figured it was going to be even going into the elimination. The only people who I figured it was either going to be Jamie, Gabriel or potentially Maria, just because of the, the amount of time we saw with her. Um, yeah. it, but um, I was glad to see that the Maria, the Maria story was more of the uh, redemption story uh, than, than anything. So, um, yeah, Jamie goes on to Last Chance Kitchen, and I'm wondering if Gabriel's going to be next. Um, but uh, so, Haley, you had two folks in Last Chance Kitchen now. I think I'm a curse for the season. I I was on a real hot streak the last couple seasons, and now I think I've doomed them. I've doomed everyone. Were you able to watch Last Chance Kitchen, Jim? I did watch Last Chance Kitchen, and I've got to say that um, uh, I do know Roscoe. I know Roscoe oh. I, not not super well, but we've uh, done a couple of events together, and we always ended up hanging out at those events together when when we were at the at the same places. And he is an incredibly awesome dude, and I think one of the stars of Last Chance Kitchen. Uh, oh, definitely. I'm, just, I'm glad. I'm glad to see him really embracing the the you know the stool uh, because it's. it's, it's <laughs> It's it's a hard thing to do, but he he's really approaching it super well. I feel like we got more Roscoe in Last Chance, even in the even in his first Last Chance Kitchen, uh, where he fought against Sasha. Um, the I, I felt that we got more Roscoe in that Last Chance, those ten minutes of Last Chance Kitchen, than we did in the first episode of Top Chef. And I was yeah. like, this is a, it's like this. Okay, this is a character I'm actually going to uh, miss not being in the competition. But I'm glad that they. They're able to stick around. Although I can't remember. Uh, so it sounds like next week uh, is the last last chance kitchen battle before someone gets to come back in the competition. Then usually they do it like another round. Yeah, because sure. I think they said it's going to be a double elimination next week, which will mean that there will be three people in last chance mm-hmm. kitchen, and then probably the winner of that will go back in, and that still leaves them with two people in last chance kitchen for the next episode. Oh, right. yeah, okay. that makes right, sense. Right, right, that makes sense. But, and I can't remember though if they clear the peanut gallery uh, once the second round of Last Chance Kitchen starts, or if we're going to see like Brittany and Sasha and Roscoe be there for like through the entire time. Because part of me is trying to remember if I, for some reason I thought that they kind of reset it and you now like knew like they don't. I felt like that too, back. but I hope they don't. I hope they. Keep yeah, them. I hope they don't. Um, um, I again this week was not <laughs> able to watch Last Chance Kitchen because Food Network Canada website does not put it up yet. Despite me tweeting to them and somebody else hopped on my tweet and said, yeah, where the heck is it? Um, Food Network Canada, please just release Top Chef Last Chance Kitchen. I want to watch it. I have to do it for my job. Well, let, let me see if I can explain this challenge to you because we saw, some, we, saw some, everything. we saw some stuff on this. We saw something similar last, I believe, last Last Chance Kitchen. Um, so it was Last Chance Chicken. Well, because both Jamie and Kiki, <laughs> you used by that, Haley? <laughs> oh, you will love this one because there are so I many top puns. Oh, what fun. Oh, yeah. He was like, take stock of your, yeah. Um, so it was Last Chance Chicken. Both Kiki and Jamie had chicken issues. So, mm-hmm. but it was there, it was that, and, and it was, we've seen before, a game of chicken where they have to go back and forth and bid. Oh. And so... I'm like, stop bidding. <laughs> um, like, so the first thing they had to bid on is they had a bunch of different parts of chicken there. And at first I thought they were bidding on like what they would each use, but no, this was a, they took turns naming parts of the chicken. 
And then for every part they named, that's a part they had to incorporate into their, that each of them had to incorporate in their dish. And so uh, Jamie picks chicken liver and Kiki picked chicken oysters and Jamie picked skin and Kiki picked feet and Jamie picked thigh. And then Kiki's like, nope, we're good. So both of them had to use all five of these things in their dish. Um, and then they had to bid on how much time they would have to do it. And Tom was like, 30 minutes. And then can you do it in less, uh, Jamie? She's like 27 and Kiki's like 26 and Jamie's like 25 and Kiki's like, no, I'm stopping. Like, why are we going to keep going? Why don't listen to him? Stop it. Um, which I think is, the, I don't know. I, I, we've encountered this before and I've always thought before, like, why are you like, there's no, just take the half hour. Why do you want to like put, yeah. Like there's, no, there's, no, there's no incentive to win the bid. Like, it's not like you get yeah. like a, like can use one less chicken part. If you bid the lowest time or something, there's just, there's no incentive. Right. You're there's, using, you have the exact same um, parameters of the challenge as the other person does. Like you, they, they ended up having to each use these five parts. They ended up each having 25 minutes. The only thing I can think of is if you're comparatively comfortable with your skills versus your opponents, you'd be like, Oh, I could so like we're at 30 minutes. I could so easily do this in 25 minutes, but I think my partner would, that would cause my, my competitor that that would cause them to falter. Like, let's drop this to 25 minutes because I'm confident what I can do, but I think this might shake my competition. That's the only thing I can think of versus like, if you have a hesitancy that like, well, if we both do the full 30 minutes, then they might actually, I don't know, but that's that's the that's the only thing I can think of is like if you think that bidding lower will you're still good, but it might throw your competition off. But um, yeah, I think that they should incentivize them. I was like, okay, I think it it would be much more interesting if they said, okay, if you bid the lowest time, you get to use one less ingredient, or you have some some other like incentive to knock down the time. I think that would make it a little bit more interesting. Yeah, the. So Jamie made chili stock chicken with grilled chicken thighs, liver and mousse, and red curry with baguette. And Kiki made chicken drumstick and fennel, Napa cabbage, ridiculous slaw with stock. Although I think we saw this, was it that um, Kiki started using the wrong parts of the bird and ended up just like, well, it's the stock. That's fine. (laughs) So it's like there wasn't a penalty for her using more of the bird than she needed to. Uh, but she, she realized, I think she meant to throw the thighs in and she threw something else in accidentally. And um, yeah, I think that what she meant to do was she meant to butcher the foot, the leg and the thigh in one piece. And that's what the peanut gallery was saying. Just make it one big piece and fry it. And then she went ahead and just did the, the foot and the leg and left the thigh on the carcass, which then went into her stock. Okay. So, right. you know, that was a big honking uh, piece of chicken on that plate. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I do. I love it when when the claw gets served on stuff like I'm a giant fan of that. Um, and uh, it's it, it does. It's always it doesn't have a kind of gnarly look, but I think it always looks so cool on the plate. But at the same time, like did even though she fried the chicken foot, you know, I'm not sure that to cook chicken feet, you need a like a long time in the pressure cooker to get it like mm-hmm. like the way you would eat it in, in Asian restaurants or, or, you know, in Asia. And I, you know, it, I'm not so sure that. And we don't really see all of what Tom's methodology and judging is. Maybe she did get some points knocked for not using the thigh as part of the center of the plate. Um, yeah. But it's, it's definitely a, a cool challenge. But we see uh, Jamie ends up advancing. And so whoever Jamie 
goes up against next week, that's going to be your contention for people to return back into Last Chance Kitchen. So what we're going to guess that the episode ends with everybody probably walking into Last Chance Kitchen. Uh, yeah. And um, yeah. So oh, Jamie, did, what do we, what do you, what's your take on Jamie, Jim? Because like there's a lot of, there's a lot of editing to emphasize in my mind her little quirks um what's what's been your your take on on jamie as we eulogize her this episode yeah i think that she was just an absolute joy to have on the tv even though the, the you know the editing may have emphasized more of her like talking about the, the the noises or the i guess it's not exactly onomatopoeia but it's you know the various noises that she used to describe as what's what's going on in the kitchen and i really think that I, she's obviously super talented and like like you said I would love to go show up at her Vegas restaurant sometime and check it out but she's a pleasure to have on the TV and I really hope that she makes it back into the show I, I think well it's there's every time she kind of uh, slides into these kind of you know uh, interesting mannerisms there's always like a cut I think the thing that always threw me is there's always a cut to somebody else reacting to her mannerisms. Yeah. And I'm hoping that that's how it was like legitimately happening that it yes. wasn't. Um, otherwise I'm not quite sure how to take it, but uh, yeah, I think what her restaurant's called black sheep. Uh, there's a chance I may be in Vegas in the next one. So I might have to check that out, but uh, oh, nice. Um, yeah. It's I'm depending, obviously depending on who she goes up against, I would love to see Jamie back in the competition. Uh, she took it really well. I thought so. Um, so yeah, shall we uh, talk about what food we've been uh, circling around? Sure. Wait, also, I, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Jim. Oh, I'm, I'm just sorry. I just wanted to say one thing before we talk yeah. about all that, about that. Is I I cannot believe that Maria didn't win the challenge. I mean that she didn't win. I, I, I meant to say when we were talking earlier. It's like that is such an extreme undertaking. Like even if her dish may not have tasted as good as the the KFC. I mean, just the sheer, you know, bravery to make bread and sausages and a composed hot dog should really have weighed heavily in the judge's mind. I mean, I agree. Yeah, you know, I, I, it's that, that is an amazing feat to do in a Top Chef challenge and something like Richard said, not many people would even try to attempt to do that. Um, he said he would have been scared, too. And I really liked um, like her, her when they were at the judge's table and. They were. She found out that she had one of the, like, the dishes that was really well liked. Obviously, she she knew she won the battle uh, in in the uh, in the action against Gabriel. Uh, but you know, she, her comments like, you know, I didn't go to culinary school, but I'm going. I feel like I'm going to 14, 15 different culinary schools now, learning from all these people around me. I really liked Tom's comment. It's like you you may not have gone gone to culinary school, but you don't make buns, you don't make bread and sausages like that at culinary school. Like you you're you're here because you know how to how to cook. Um, and I really, and then she was starting to get, I, she's starting to get teary eyed and I was starting to get teary eyed. And, uh, so I really liked that, that, that her arc and her story from being on the phone with her family. And she's like, I feel like I'm losing myself. and I don't know, like if I'm doing well and, and I'm true. She's, she's always been in the middle. You, she never got yeah. any like feedback. And so she's like, this is the first time I've gotten feedback. I didn't know how I was doing. And I'm glad that she got that. And I thought it was, a, I thought that she was like the star of this episode. Yeah, no doubt. I'm glad to see it. I think yeah. she, she deserved to be the star of this episode. Shall we talk foods? 
Sure, I'll go. Um, I didn't really eat anything exciting this week. I didn't really make anything exciting this week. I was just having one of those weeks where I just didn't feel like anything. I didn't feel like making anything. I didn't even feel like ordering anything. So it's okay to have some weeks where you're just like, oh. Nothing exciting, but anything really tasty? <sighs> like, we... We bought like a pulled pork thing at the grocery store and slow cooked it and had it for a couple meals. And like, that was nice. But I don't know. I just haven't been very inspired this week. Well, that's just having, the, I'm just, in the, I'm just having the blues a bit, you know, the, the, we're the, the cooking blues, just in the all blues. Like I'm wearing a blue sweater right now. Like it's just, just, you know, we're in like fourth week of the third lockdown. It's just kind of like starting to get to me mm. in all aspects. Including food. What about you, Jim? Have you anything anything to uh, pick up Haley's mood? Yeah, bring, bring us up because I just <laughs> rained rained my parade. Well, man, hopefully this will cheer cheer you up a little bit. Um, you know, I'm always cooking, basically. Uh, yeah. and- you know, we have done some awesome stuff. Uh, I'm really excited. We've brought that uh, uh, just this week in the restaurant. We've started running uh, crawfish rangoons, which I am super thrilled. <gasps> oh. uh, so we take, you know, cream cheese and the homemade blackening seasoning we make and uh, lemon zest and lemon juice. Do you think yeah. those would uh, be okay to send up here to Canada? Like, would they last? Because <laughs> that's something I could get excited about. Yeah, they they might like a seriously. You know, the whole shipping food is something that I've been contemplating throughout all of the pandemic. But you know, we also serve this, this these rangoons with a, uh, a a charred pineapple fish sauce dipping sauce, and I am I and they've been selling like it's become the a, a menu item where we start off the night saying, okay, we've only got fifteen of these because they are very labor intensive to make, and you know, first come first serve when they're gone, they're gone, and they've been flying out the door. You know, other things uh. Uh, I did notice that the farmers are going to have ramps available for us next, nice. us next week. So I'm like, yes, ramps are finally here. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm always excited about food and what's going on in, in the restaurant. There's a lot of, there's a lot of fun stuff happening here right now. For the new listeners, will you tell us about your restaurant? Oh yeah. Um, my restaurant's called the hummingbird way. It is located in Mobile, Alabama. It is a oyster bar. Uh, first and foremost, but it's definitely, we do lots of other stuff besides oyster bars. We have a full menu and, um, we do, we have a giant steak right now. We're serving like a, a, like a 28 ounce, uh, Louisiana Wagyu New York strip. And we have lots of cool ingredients that we're always working with, you know, being on the Gulf coast, I always get access to the best fish and the best oysters and all the great seafood that comes out of the Gulf of Mexico. And so that's always our menu is ever changing. We do an a la carte menu. And I'll say this too, you know, the pandemic has forced all sorts of chefs to pivot and rotate and figure out what they're doing. When we were not open for indoor, for dining, for guests to come in at all, indoor, outdoor, I did more of a a meat and three type menu, but people loved that so much. I was really worried about, how to transition back to a regular a la carte menu. So I started doing just the tasting menu. So we were, we did a, you know, a five courses and wine pairings, but the response that I got to that was so overwhelmingly positive. Now we do a full a la carte menu and a full tasting menu every night available for any of our guests. And it is a lot of fun. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be serving the food that we do. You can follow us on social media. It's at the hummingbird way. It's really easy to find our social media. Uh, like all of my social media, I'm not the best at keeping it up, but I, I promise myself every morning that I'm going to do a better job and you know, darn it, I'm going to do a better job. So, <laughs> yeah. Please, please follow us and check out, check out our stuff. Um, You know, I guess this might be a good, good time now too to 
And I'm surprised that this hasn't been as much featured in Top Chef this season is that, you know, the restaurant industry as a whole has been by far one of the most adversely affected by the virus, just because I think that people don't understand that restaurants run on such a thin margin and all of the all of the materials that they use are, are largely perishable. And so things like you know, oh, we have to close for a week or, you know, we have to shut down for two weeks because someone may have or for a week because someone may have come into contact with somebody with the virus, you know, is really restaurants have been struggling super hard. I'm, I am a member of the Independent Restaurant Coalition, which Tom is a founding member of, which has done a great job getting Congress to pass that Restaurants Act. And, you know, the James Beard Foundation, I, I worked with them all the time and we really do our best to get outreach out there so that the people who are diners and who like restaurants really take your time to support the restaurants that you love. And it is the restaurants like us that are always the most affected. You know, we have one store and we have 15 to 16 employees at the most. And the smallest little hiccup in the road can do big time damage to our business. And so get out there, support, support your local businesses. You know, anyone who is writing negative reviews about restaurants right now has no idea what in the world they're doing. So if you're the type of person who likes to go to Yelp or Google, you know, if you don't have something nice to say, please, please don't say it because restaurants are across the country are understaffed, underfunded, trying to figure out how to make ends meet and just doing their best to keep their head above water. So, you know, be nice, be understanding, be patient, don't, you know, I know that RHAP listeners probably aren't the people who are going to their store and asking their servers to take masks off. But, you know, like, come on, you know, be nice yeah. to people who are running restaurants and feeding you. I'm sorry. I know that this is a long round. No, 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 no. I think it's very important just to restate it because we haven't really talked a whole about a lot about it this season. I know it's something that we talked about a lot last season. Um, but yeah, it's been an incredibly tough year for restaurants like here in Ontario. Um, places in Toronto were told that they're going to be able to open for patio. Um, you know, they increased the amount of people allowed in the dining room um, to 50 instead of 10. And then two weeks later, they reversed it and locked everything down. So yeah, you're right. You know, all of these restaurants had stocked up, you know, expecting people to be able to come in. And then it just like that. It was, it was, it was all locked down and, you know, of course, we understand the safety of like the necessary steps you have to take. Um, but it's just it's been so, so, so tough in this industry. And yeah, yeah and just be nice if you're going to dine in, like just be nice. If you're not tipping 20 percent, like just get takeout and then make sure you tip 20 percent on that. At least get get takeout drinks if that's something you're able to do, like put an extra $5 in the tip jar if you can spare it. Like it's just, it's been very, very, very tough. And like Jim said, so many people have had to pivot so many restaurants, so many restaurant staff, servers, cooks, dishwashers, you know, however many immigrants are living in the States who are working at restaurants and now they're not working at those restaurants anymore. And it's just, it's just been a very mind numbing experience experience for so many people it's, yeah. it's interesting because we've seen the, the show has gone into how the lockdowns and covid have impacted the chefs but they haven't you're right jim they haven't really gone 
with more of an industry-wide messaging on that during the episodes, Mm -hmm. um, which does surprise me a bit now that I'm thinking about it. Um, So, yeah, I'm wondering if that's going to, again, you know, shift at all as as the season progresses, if they're going to dip into at all a bit more. But um, no, that's especially when it comes to restaurant wars. Like, are they really going to I hope they kind of do a focus on it when we get when we get to restaurant wars. Because we saw the remember the they are having it this season, so I'm curious yeah. what that's going to end up uh, end up looking like. Top I mean, Chef Canada, they're doing a ticket wars this season. Oh, that's cool. Oh, um, and I know, like I, I was watching um, Guy Fieri's uh, Tournament of Champions, and for in that they the winner of each round was able to donate ten thousand dollars to a local restaurant. Uh, 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 restaurants that are local to them that were restaurants in need, which was like a nice thing to see happen. Like like every challenge, every round. In one uh, of in one of Brooke's rounds, uh, she donated ten thousand dollars to to sure. us. Yeah, and and Sylvia in New York. Oh, I yeah, saw yeah. that too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, is it Miss Chu? I think is the one in uh, Culver City. I've been there a couple. It was actually the last place. Shirley Shirley Chung's restaurant in Culver City was the last place I ate before I left. LA to come back to the Midwest. Yeah, I gold I gold bellied uh, a whole duck from Shirley earlier this year. Uh, it was really excellent, uh, very good. That's great. Did you get the cheeseburger dumplings as well? I did get the cheeseburger dumplings <laughs> as well, and they were as as you would expect, awesome. Um, hey, something else too, which is really interesting about sort of restaurants reopening, and I will say is really positive is that I have had people come into the restaurant and cry because this is their first meal out, and everything was so special, and you know, those types of things are really heartwarming and are the kind of things that keep us going. You know, chefs are about hospitality and being creative and, you know, restaurants are a place where people should be able to go in and sort of shed a lot of their daily frustrations. And it is really great to see people who are just so happy to be eating out and are understanding and are polite and, you know, don't complain if their ticket takes a little bit of time. You know, those are the kind of things that, I wish, you know, what most diners who really appreciate food should be doing. And it is it is so hard. I, like, I mean, literally, a, a woman sat in my dining room and cried because the, the food that she had really made her remember what it meant to be out in the world, which is just, you know, those are the types of things that make being a chef worth it. Oh, that's awesome. By the way, I'm going for the pork cheeks over the seared flounder for my third course of your tasting menu. No, Just there to- you go. Well, I, I, I have to. I have to tell you right now that that uh, the, the the menus posted online, much like my social media, are are not current. Sure. Uh, but uh, um, that is a good. That's an example of sort of the stuff that you might find on our menu. I was, I was, that, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say I, I do have a question. I mean, I apologize if you had talked about this before, but it, your desserts you list lane cake as Alabama's official state dessert. And what is a lane cake? I've got to tell you, I love the lane. It's really a funny story because there's, there are two cakes, which are, there's a hummingbird cake, which we serve a lot just because, you know, obviously the name is related to the restaurant, but also the hummingbird cake was uh, Alabama's official state dessert at my beginning, at the beginning of my tenure as the state chef. And I love this cake, but it got fired for the lane cake, which is an awesome cake. And actually the reason why is this, this cake was actually, the lane cake was actually invented in Alabama and is featured in To Kill a Mockingbird, which is really cool. Like Scout, 
Scout goes to uh, her aunt's house and has the lane cake. And she says when she leaves, she feels all shiny. And the reason why is because the lane cake is loaded with a bunch of raw bourbon. Um, and so <laughs> it is a very, very alcoholic cake. But it's a chiffon cake that's topped with a, a coconut, raisin, uh, and pecan kind of icing that after that icing is cooked down in sugar, you let it cool and then you pour in a lot of bourbon and that's sort of what what goes on top of the cake it's a really great cake and we do serve both of them here from from we kind of rotate between those two cakes a lot that sounds amazing i also (laughs) i also had one last question from um listener my friend emily she said which car would you have wanted to join at the drive i was gonna ask this earlier too i was thinking the same thing as i was watching it um, how about, how about you, Jim, if you had to, if you had to be, I'm assuming in the back seat of any of these cars, uh, just kind of participating in the conversation, which, which of the cars would you have wanted to be in? Um, I'd probably BJ and Doug first, but I will say that <laughs> I, I know that we haven't talked about Gregory at all. I, Gregory is another one of those people who I've met a couple of times at events and he is one of the, the sweetest guys ever. Uh, it was Gregory and Dale, right? Were they in a yeah. car together? I, yeah. That car to me would be a whole lot of fun to be in. If you know, uh, if the if the Padma Tom car is a little bit too intimidating, or the Gail <laughs> and Richard car, uh, you know, like that one would be a lot of fun too. But I think probably the the uh, one of those other two would probably be where I'd choose to land. How about you, Haley? I gotta go, Melissa and Carrie. Oh, I forgot that oh, they were yeah. in the car. That's, that's like that's my, I just I couldn't not. I can't pair. not be in that car. See, I was I was also thinking uh, Dougie and BJ, um, but I think I would. But I think a close second would be Gail and Richard, just because I don't. Part of me has this fan fiction that they don't get along. Like I'm just like picturing like Richard's too much and Gail is like too like polite and Canadian <laughs> to say anything. Um, but you could like read it on her face potentially. Uh, so I think I would have loved to have been in uh, been there in that, in that car. I loved um, it so much in the very in the season premiere when Padma busted on Richard's hair. I thought that was so hysterical. It was deserving. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. um, re- real quick, uh, my I, I, I'm back to cooking this week. I got a HelloFresh shipment. I made these uh, Bon Me inspired tacos. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, that were quite tasty. So like you had pickled carrots or a pickled cucumber and and carrots and uh, kind of a. You know, uh, some Vietnamese flavorings in the uh, in the beef, um, so that was really tasty. Made a sriracha mayo, um, and then yesterday I ordered a the five cheese meaty deep dish or not deep dish. It was a Detroit style pizza, so uh, kind of a thicker crust, rectangular, lots of crunchiness, but still kind of thick. It was so five cheeses like feta, provolone, mozzarella, cheddar, and uh, something uh, uh, gouda, I think. But then it was like sausage and pepperoni. And then I added anchovies. Um, it's, it's, it's been a while since I've had anchovies on a pizza. I like the saltiness. It's not too overly fishy, um, especially with some of the spiciness of the, the meat that's already on there. Um, it, was a, it was a good combination. I've, I've not ever like added for, added, asked to add anchovies to a pizza in a long, 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 long time. But it was quite tasty, and I have like enough leftovers for a couple more meals. So good anchovies are a thing of beauty, and sometimes not the easiest thing to find, but they are well worth it for sure. I think I was testing it because my mom, who lives like a half hour from me, was saying uh, a couple weeks ago that like restaurants near her don't allow like to add anchovies anymore. And so I saw, oh wait, this place has it, so maybe I'll 
I'll give this a test run. And if it's good, I'll pick up a pie and, you know, bring it home at some point. But uh, yeah, mission accomplished. Um, or as, as Padma would say at the introduction to the action segment, this mission is not impossible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was my whip sound. Uh, so anyway. <laughs> so Jim, tell us everywhere people can follow you on the internet that you wish for people to follow you on the internet. <laughs> yeah, please, please follow me. It's a at chef Jim Smith. Um, I enjoy it. If you have questions, like I'm really pretty good about responding to people's questions, even if you're, even if I'm not posting nearly as much as I should. Um, but yeah, I'm easy to find online. Please give me a look up. If you ever find yourself, any of y'all, any of the, any of the RHAP listeners who ever find themselves in uh, my restaurant, uh, mention RHAP, you might get some kind of cool hookup. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, anyone and everyone is welcome. So give us a chance. Look us up online. Come and visit. I'd love to see you. I need to get down there. I think last time I was down in Alabama, you were still in Birmingham, um, I believe. Uh, and that now that you're you're kind of permanently in Mobile. Oh, yeah, definitely. OK, I, I've got said I've got good friends that live down there that I've not visited in a couple of years. Your friends have come in. Well, they have. They have come in. They said, I think you know this guy. Kirk. Oh, I said, yeah, absolutely. Uh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Like my roommate and best friend from college. Uh, so and, and, and his wife, they moved there from North Carolina. So, and he, she's from there originally. Anyway, uh, a lot of detail for folks. So that's really awesome. I'll have to follow <laughs> up with them. Um, uh, yeah, cool. Kurt, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, I don't do the internet anymore. No, All right. um, I, <laughs> you're Twitch streaming. You're doing a great job at being consistent with your pitch, Twitch stream. I'm doing better. Yeah, I'm, I'm at Kurt Clark with two C's, but those two C's are at the beginning of Kurt <laughs> and Clark. Uh, I know that confused Latanya last week. Wait, so it's CCUR. No. Uh, so at Kurt Clark, uh, all C's, one K at the end. And then uh, um, that's on Twitch, on Twitter, on Instagram. As, as Haley said, I'm, I'm trying to stream more gaming stuff on twitch um and then on oh boy it's going to be like on sundays mondays and tuesday evenings uh we do uh, stream some live tabletop games on twitch uh through twitch.tv slash dm philly so if you find it's like eight or nine like 6 p.m on sundays eastern uh 9 p.m on mondays and it's going to be actually 8 p.m on tuesdays and we're starting a new uh, D campaign with such folks as Josh Wiggler and Antonio Mazzaro and, uh, uh, Zed, Brooklyn Zed, uh, who many of you folks know from various other RHAP and post show recaps, uh, stuff. We're all getting on there and rolling dice and slang dragons in space. Uh, so, uh, it'll be a fun time. So, uh, join us on May the 4th, uh, is our first, uh, episode of the space campaign. So it's kind of fitting. By the way, I also didn't realize until my second rewatch that Star S'mores sounds like Star Wars. That's all. It does. Yeah. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't pick up on that right away. I didn't, I didn't get it. <laughs> That's good. Hey, you know what? I, I'm glad you mentioned Antonio because Antonio bought a gift certificate for my restaurant, I think, just for the heck of supporting restaurants. It was an incredibly nice thing to do. And, you know, it's really awesome to get, continue that kind of support from folks who you know, may, may never use a gift certificate, may try to find someone close to, you know, close to them to, I think he actually raffled the gift certificate. Right. But it was really yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, it was a really lovely gesture. Yeah. He's but, a good guy. That's yeah. our, our, Uncle Tonio. <laughs> How about you, Haley? You can find me on the internet at a strong underscore. If you want to check out everything I'm reading, you can follow me on at the strong library on Instagram. 
Uh, I joined Kristen and Maggie this week to talk about Temptation Island. Yes, I did manage the feat of watching an entire season of Temptation Island in a mere three days. Uh, and I'm not a better person for it. That's for darn sure. It was a mm, unsettling watch, I would have to say. Great podcast, though. Had a great time. Don't listen. Don't even watch the show. Just watch. Just listen to the podcast. Have a nice time. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Jim. Thank you so much for coming on. It's always one of our favorite episodes this season when you're able to join us. You always have such great insight um, from being a chef and from being on the show, but also being such a big fan. And you're just so wonderful to talk to. What a joy you are. Well, no, y'all are the real joys. Thank y'all for doing what you do and supporting Top Chef and putting on great material. And uh, it, it's a it's a pleasure to be on. And thank you for having me. Well, thank you, thank you for thank you for joining us, and we'll uh, tr- try to bring you in again later in the season. That would be awesome. Sign me up now. I'm in. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> we'll figure out the dates. Yes. Um, until then, you can just uh, pack on up your knives and head on out there, guys. Bye. Bye. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.